Uh, you may have realised that we have already had a look at the first part of um, uh, Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 6, I think. Uh, but this little passage in Ephesians sits right in the middle of the book and is probably one of the most powerful little segments about the life of the church. So I want to talk about some stuff today and then next Sunday again we're going to be looking at this passage, just expanded a little bit uh, to look at, uh, to look at the things of, of the church. There's nothing like it in the world. The church is absolutely unique. And we need to understand what this means. And I, I think I want to say too, and I was going to say this at the end, but I might say it now. Um, the, uh, lost the battery cover. The situation at the moment around the world is that meant that a lot of people have been asking whether... I think, and other people think, that this, we're getting close to the end of the end of the world. Uh, and if you look on the if you look on the internet, you'll find whole piles of different pastors from America putting up uh, podcasts about about this. Uh, and I, and I wanted to say three things. First of all, are we getting closer to the end? Yes, of course we are. Can't go backwards. Uh, but people in the First World War thought we were. People in the Second World War thought we were. Uh, and, and we're in the same boat, except that there are signs around the place in the world that suggest to us that we're getting closer to that time when the things in, in Israel are going to pick up significantly. Uh, and I, I know that a number of people feel very scared about that because they see the world collapsing, they see the world uh, in financial straits as a result of the lack of oil and all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I want to say these things. First of all, do I think we're getting closer? Yes, I do. I think there are issues that we're facing in our world that are uniquely associated with the end of the universe. Secondly, what are we supposed to do about that? And the answer is, I think, be aware of the circumstance, but pay attention to the solution. Be aware of what's happening. Look at what's going on. Identify the characteristics and see whether you can identify them in the, in the pattern that the scriptures give. Though I have to say there are so many different interpretations of the scriptures, it's a bit hard to pick what's actually going to happen. But the idea for us is to be aware, but to be focused on the solution. Don't focus on the circumstance. Don't be scared by the things that are happening because the circumstance... Do not override the solution. The solution is, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will care for you through eternity. We want to cope with what's happening in our world now. We need to double down on our faith statement. We need to double down on who Jesus is, who Jesus is in our life, and double down on the development of a personal relationship with him that allows us to see things in perspective. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what's coming. And if we want to understand our security in that time, that's where we go. That's point two. Point three. In due course in, in our world, there are going to be circumstances that come along which means that it's very difficult for us to live. Um, we're going to be told in, in the future when the Antichrist is set up in Jerusalem that we have to have a stamp on our forehead. 
Uh, and unless we have that stamp on our food, we're not going to be able to deal with the, with the markets that provide us food and all that sort of stuff. Do I think that's close? No, I think that's a bit further away. But I want to say this. There is one location where you and I will be able to work together for the care of each other. Family, it's us. We look after us, we look after us in Mitcham. Other churches look after their own responsibilities and we uniquely get the churches bound together with one another. But if, if we get to the stage where you're not allowed to trade because you haven't got the mark of the beast on your forehead, then there are going to be those of us who have to grow food, there are going to be those of us who do different things and we're going to have to feed each other, we're going to have to care for each other, we're going to have to look after each other. Now, I want to say today that the, 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 there's nothing like it in the world, the church is unique, and in that sense, this is part of our salvation. Does that make sense? To learn to trust, to learn to rely on, to learn to be prepared to care for to be servants of the living God and give of everything we've got so that we can all be together as God's family. Is it coming? Yes, it's coming. At what speed? Only God knows. Uh, focus on the solution, not the circumstance, and be at home where home is, family, here. Look after each other. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Thank you. Well, let's, let's just spend a little time in this, in this text today. The church is unique. It's the new covenant community. It's not built on the Old Testament teaching. It's not built on the rules and regulations of the Jewish faith. It's built on the new covenantal relationship that we have with the living God. When Jesus came, he said, I create a new covenant. When we share communion, we share the new covenant that God has given to us, that he's placed us in our relationship with him, and out of that relationship comes the possibility of the future of our lives. Let's have a look at some of the characteristics of the church. First of all, it's not a human institution. It is not an organisation. If you think you can be involved in leadership in the church because you're involved in leadership in business, then you've got the wrong idea of the church. The family is an organism. It breathes. It moves. Different parts of the body operate in different kinds of ways. There's one head of the church, and, and it's not the senior pastor. It's the Lord himself. This bloke's not the boss, I'll tell you that. You want to see who the boss is? Then put the computer up so you can see who is up there. I'm a servant like the rest of you. I'm trained to do certain things, but I'm a servant in the middle of the family. That's all. But it is not a human institution. Don't begin to behave as though it's a human institution. It is the place where the living God dwells. You will sense him here. If your spirit is alive and sensing now, you will sense him here now. And if, let me say this, if the Spirit of God is here, is the Father here? Is the Lord himself here? Yes, the Godhead is here with us. It's a healing agent to society. It's the agent in our community which has a purpose of bringing the healing truth of Jesus Christ into our communities. 
of bringing the capacity of our society to move back into a relationship with God so that they might be healed themselves and become a part of the healed and healing community. That's our task. We are not here for ourselves, family. We are here for our world. We are those who speak into our world a healing agent which changes lives. Thirdly, we are here to effect total revolution. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing one another in love. But we are here, whether we like it or not, to say to the world, we're going to turn you on your ear because the master has come and he has come to bring life to everything that is dead. We're here to, to bring total revolution in the world. In doing so, we demonstrate Jesus. The life of this church, the things we do, the things we believe, the way we treat each other, the way we care for one another, that demonstrates Jesus to the world. And we have to have very porous edges to our church. We have to have very porous edges so that people can move backwards and forwards until they begin to get a sense of the truth of what's happening in the, in the church that's built upon the gospel. What makes the church so unique? First of all, its purpose for existence lies totally apart from itself. Its purpose is Jesus Christ demonstrating to the universe his greatness and his majesty. The angels are bowing down in absolute awe at what God can do. And in the process, the world is bowing down and saying, wish we were like that, don't know how to get there. Some churches, unfortunately, don't give off too much of an air of welcome home or this place is a safe place. And we as a community have to, have to cope with that. It has a message of peace but a name of total revolution. In the process of peace, we bring the, revelation, revela we bring the revolution to the people, to the church, to the, the community. We come and say... Jesus Christ is Lord. It's not those who are outside trying to be Lord, exercising power, bringing, uh, bringing authority. They're not the ones who are Lord, who's Lord. Jesus Christ is. In complete weakness, it is totally strong. Because, as I said at the beginning of our time, our focus is not on our circumstances. Our focus is on the one who brings the solution to the circumstances. And in that we have, in our weakness to be able to do anything about it as a church, we have the total strength of recognising that Jesus Christ will bring the solution ultimately to the whole of the universe. That's who we are. In absolute submission, it finds unfettered freedom. Some people say, oh, I can't become a Christian. I have to give my life to God. Then I can't do what I want to do. Well, the answer, of course, is once you give your life to Jesus Christ, the things that you wanted to do don't really matter terribly much anymore. And in fact, he begins to use the gifts that he's placed in you and you get excited about going places and doing things and sharing stuff and raising kids and all that in the presence of the living God with his companionship. And you, are, you suddenly discover that what you thought was absolute submission in your heart to, and, and therefore leaving your, leaving your personality is actually the entry to freedom. 
the entry to be who you possibly want to be. You see, this, and this is what this little passage is about, is our journey to maturity. Beginning to understand that the church is doing these things. You see, we don't meet on Sundays just to do church. We meet on Sundays to express this, so that we might go out there and be who we're supposed to be out there through the porous edges. How do we know if we've arrived when we've got there? Well, never really. But there is a habit in our world today which leads us to becoming a counterfeit church. Looks like maturity, but isn't really. The purpose of the church, let's identify the purpose of the church and one or two other things and then say, what's the counterfeit that we can slip into place and the church lose its edge in society? First of all, the purpose of the church, Ephesians 1, 4 to 12, which we just read. First of all, to be holy and blameless. Be set apart for Christ and to be in our world ready to stand up for that which is good, that which is right, that which is fair, that which is appropriate and behave in such a ways, you remember last week I said, doesn't hurt to have spats, doesn't have hurt to have fights, we're just expressing our humanity. But what it does matter is that we come together afterwards and say, you're doing okay? I'm going to look after you, you're doing okay? God's first concern, you see, is not what the church does but what it is. His first concern is not to say how fruitful are you or how big are you and how, how much money do you earn. It's, his first concern has got nothing to do with any of that. We've somehow rather been taught over recent times the bigger the church the better. Well, I want to disabuse us of that notion. That's absolutely not right. Size of a church has absolutely no measure whatever of its value to the Lord in the, in the pursuits of the kingdom. I'm not a against big churches either but I want to say to us here that we are the perfect size for what God wants to do in Mitchum aren't we we're the perfect size for what he wants to do now and we're looking to grow bigger and have young families join us so that we manage the whole thing through being proceeds doing you see action flows out of character action doesn't flow out of what we think we ought to do Action, real action, expresses the character which is within, in the family and in the church and in individuals. There, there is a difficulty here. Sometimes we can introduce to, to churches diseases. Uh, the people who do that are not themselves the disease, but there are certain diseases uh, in church growth. If you know anything about it, there are 10 diseases that they've identified in church life that can disrupt what the church is doing. And to begin to get into a place where you can actually grow, you need to deal with those diseases. Being precedes doing. Now, what would the counterfeit to that be? That's Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Have you ever thought of yourself as that? When you come into this church, are you a living sacrifice? Or are you looking to get what you can out of it? Are you here saying, Lord, whatever gift you've placed in my heart and in my mind, they're yours. I'm coming to this place 
so that I might be a part of the family and do exactly what I'm supposed to do. God's desire is that the moral character of the church reflect the character of Jesus. The thinking, the basis of decision-making, the preparedness to serve one another, the preparedness to go out of our way to care for one another, to be prepared in some circumstances to die so that others uh, might, might live. Is that what you expect of your church? It's what he expects of us. When we come into this place, we are, a, we are a precious family. There's going to come a time when we have to say, up the back there, there are vegetable spots. If you haven't got anything to eat at the moment, grab hold of some of that stuff and take it home. And we're going to have to come into church a little bit early and put the vegetables up there that we've grown in our garden and share them with the family, protect the family. The counterfeit purpose, to be concerned with what we do, rather than being concerned with who we are. What do we do? The Purpose Driven Church is a study program that was put out several years ago which talks about what is the purpose of the church and how is the church driven by that purpose over and over again as distinct from what do we do? Many churches are very happy with their activities within the church and they're satisfied. And some people say, well, I've been here for 30 years and we've always done it well. We've always done it this way. Hold on. A friend of mine, you know, who was a pastor, went into a church where he had to change things a little bit because they were sort of 30 years old. And uh, he had an older lady come up to him one day and she said to her, you, you've been here for two or three years and you're trying to change our church. I just need to let you know that we've been here for 30 years and we know what we're doing. We're going to wait you out and we'll get our church back. Now, that's one of the diseases. The lady's not the disease. The disease is being prepared to say, I'm the pillar of the church and I will maintain what I want. You know what I mean? There are those kinds of diseases in the church that we just have to deal with. If we don't deal with them, we will lose out as a family. Being program-driven. The purpose of the church then is to be the praise of his glory. One, five and, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 and 12. God's glory is the revelation of himself. Who he is and what he does. Who he is as a character. And our purpose for existence is for him to shine through us. To go into our world and say, we want to share with you the love of Jesus. We want to share with you the truth of forgiveness. We want to, we want to share with you the capacity for healing. It's got nothing to do with churchianity, by the way. This has everything to do with self-sacrifice. The goal of our behaviour as a church is to live for the praise of his glory. We should be asking ourselves time and time again, what are we doing that's allowing God to be praised in our society? How are we moving? How are we relating to one another? What activities do we have in place? They're servants in the church. They are not the reason for the church's existence. Boys' Brigade, Girls' Brigade exists for a purpose in our church. Serving the young people, the children of our church, massively important little role because those people grow up through the church. 
to counterfeit, you see, to, to the purpose of the church is to say, well, uh, we're here to have our needs met. This is, uh, I come here because in this place I know I'm going to get the kind of singing I like. I've had people leave my church and go to another church because there's a pipe organ there. And the pipe organ is being played by somebody who, who knows how to play pipe organs. And so uh, I, I'm not going to come to this church anymore because we don't have hymns and we don't have pipe organs. Well, I'm, uh, my heart breaks. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's, that's not what the church is here for. It's not what the church is here for at all. The church is here for a different reason. But that's the counterfeit purpose that, service that some people see in the life of the church. What is the calling of the church? To be a witness to Christ. To be a witness to Jesus Christ. One here, not here to have a massive reputation where the band up the front is the best in Victoria. We're not here to, to have somebody say, well, the, the, the senior sits group here is profound. Not, they are servants. We are here to be a witness to Christ. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's the message. That's who we are. called to be witnesses to his majesty he has changed my life i live now where last i just existed a witness declares and demonstrates the counterfeit is to labor for the church I come along and I make sure the chairs are all out, I make sure the, the, the bins are all empty, I make sure that everything's organised, I come along and I do my bit up the front leading worship and, and I'm not picking in any of those, they just happen to be the ones that come to my head at the time. You know what I'm saying, we're not here to serve the church. We are here so that we might be the servants of Jesus Christ to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood. The nature of the revolution, it changes people from within. The challenges to the religious people. Yo, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. I, I, I'm not saying that this church is like that. Um, what I'm saying to you is you need to think about, think about whether it is. And if, if, uh, if there are evidences of um, looks nice on the outside, but it's a bit rough when you get inside, people are having a go at one another, there's some nasty stuff happening, there's trying, people trying to use power, there's people trying to use control, there's people trying to use money. If that's the case, then seriously, it needs to be dealt with. Because the church cannot move on while those characteristics are apparent still in its community. Matthew 23, 27, 28. Only as people are transformed is the new covenant activated. The new covenant that Jeremiah talks about, the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of the new sense of relationship with God. It's only as people are transformed that the community is what it's supposed to be. 
the nature of the revolution then in the church the new covenant jeremiah foretold is upon us in jesus the presence of the kingdom it's the now and not yet it's the kingdom is come but we won't see it first we see through a glass darkly but in due course we will see the full range of the kingdom We've talked about the kingdom earlier this year and its characteristics and its counterculture in our society. It's here. He's with us. He's been here for 2,000 years. For the church, to, the goal is to see the covenant spread like yeast. For church, it's a matter not of having big, necessarily great big crusades where all of a sudden uh, 300 people make a decision. It's my friend next door having a cup of coffee with me talking about what do you do on Sundays and being inclined to think, well, that might fit me too. Just the yeast that flows as individuals do what they're supposed to do, talk to their friends, talk to their neighbours, as people just flow in this, that's why we're here. That's the purpose for our existence. Everything we do is the servant New hearts, new society, new community. I invite Mitchum to confirm again its covenant to this purpose. This is your purpose as a church, family. And whilst I'm not going to be very long with you, my heart is overwhelmed with needing to say to you, come to the Lord Jesus Christ on your knees and pledge yourself to worship him. Pledge yourself to serve him. Pledge yourself to honour him. And on your knees, bring this church to the life that it should have as a family. How do we know when we've arrived? Well, I gave you the answer early on. We've never really arrived until the end of time. When we are strenuous about growing up in every way into him who is the head, then we are close to having arrived. Not to having got there, but having got to the place where we can find our way there. And I say that again, not to having arrived at the end, but having got to the place in our life process in our ideas and our values and our commitments where we have the capacity to move from where we are through to where we need to be. How are we doing? I'm, I'm a visiting pastor really and I'm allowed to ask all good questions because you can kick me out at the end of time. <laughs> the end of time and uh, but I, I hope some of the questions I need to ask are actually hitting the spot who are you what is Jesus doing in you and with respect what is Jesus doing in in the leadership what is Jesus Christ doing in the community Let me pray. Father God, our, our church is unique and we're not special. We don't class ourselves as being super individuals. We don't see ourselves, Lord God, as being the cream of the crop. We're ordinary, average people. But we need to hear the power of your spirit beating in our hearts. The end is coming. 
We need to focus on you. The process of getting to the end is not going to be easy. We're going to need to rely on one another. We're going to need to protect one another. We're going to need to provide for one another. We're going to need to care for one another in this community. For those outside to see this happening and through the porous edges of our church, Lord God, to have people move into the society, move into the community where they're cared for and where they sense all of a sudden the power and the presence of Jesus. Would you help us do that? Would you help us be the people we're supposed to be for your name's sake in our world? Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Will you stand as we...